Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and as always, we are on every major podcasting platform, so go there, find us, listen, leave a nice review. It's really all that we ask for. Now, we actually have a good amount of data to get into today. Some housing, some kind of connected housing to some extent, Uh, but we are going to start with some housing data, more vindication for moi. And I'm very happy about this. This is a good thing. This is good. So yesterday, we spent a good amount of time talking about the mainstream media finally catching on that there's not going to be a foreclosure apocalypse and the housing market's not going to crash. At least because of that. That that was that was kind of their fallback. Like, look, look at these foreclosures. Look at these people in forbearance programs. The housing market's going to correct, uh, or not correct, crash. It's not going to happen. And they're slowly realizing this. And more vindication, like I said, for me, a monthly report from CoreLogic, the Loan Performance Insights Report, says that mortgage delinquencies have decreased across the spectrum. They have decreased across the spectrum. Every single stage saw a decline over month to month. Now, in March, this is March data. Looking at what happened in March 2021, 4.9% of home mortgages were in some stage of delinquency. That was a 0.8% drop from February. It is the largest drop since the start of the pandemic. Now, as I mentioned, all levels of delinquencies were down in March of 2021. Early stage delinquencies were at 1% in March down 0.5% from February and a sharp drop from the post-pandemic high in April of 2020 of 4.2%. So early stage, I believe, is 30 to 69 days. We're sitting pretty. Now, mid-stage delinquencies were 0.4% in March. That was down from 06 in March of 2020 and down from the pandemic high of 2.8% in May of 2020 and serious delinquencies 90 days plus we're talking 3.5% in March down from 3.7% in February and from the recent high in August at 4.3% but it is roughly three times that of a year earlier and if you remember a year earlier we were just sort of getting into the pandemic and so you weren't you just weren't going to see a big number for serious delinquencies. And this kind of goes into this forbearance program and the fact that we saw the data yesterday from, or I guess I should say Monday, from the Mortgage Bankers Association, their weekly survey that shows that I think 2.1 million people are still in these forbearance programs. And yeah, are people going to have to sell their home? Could people potentially go into foreclosure? Yes, that is possible. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. What I'm saying, it's not going to happen at a level that is going to have a large negative impact on the overall housing market. That's not going to happen. And this, once again, vindication for me. And for most of you who have been listening or reading my newsletter and have agreed with me on this very issue. So vindication for us all. Now, as we all know, The reason why we're seeing these numbers drop is because the economy is reopening. People are going back to work or are they? This is one of the big questions. Why aren't people taking all of these jobs? And right now, record level 
of job openings. The latest report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That now they've been keeping this data since December 2020. Or I'm sorry, December 2000. <laughs> 2020 would not be that long. December 2000. This is the highest number they have ever recorded in the series. As right now, or I should say as of the end of April, the last business week of April. 9.3 million jobs are available. This is an increase of almost a million jobs from the previous month and is a 100% increase when compared to the same time last year when we saw about 4.6 million. So that makes sense. Last year we were entering the pandemic. Now we are coming out of it pretty quick, I would say. And this is something that's been kind of fascinating to watch is how quickly everyone's kind of forgotten about masks and social distancing. And it, it doesn't seem like that long ago that we were all masked up and you couldn't go anywhere. And now everyone's out kind of having a good time. And that's good. That is a good thing, especially, or I should say, hopefully all the people that are doing that are vaccinated. That would definitely be a good thing. But yeah, it makes sense that the numbers would just be, you just see that, that big of a gap when at this point last time we were really kind of entering the pandemic, which is still kind of funny that with the economy even shutting down, there were still 4.6 million jobs that were available. Now, despite the 12% j- uh, jump in job openings, hiring flat, pretty much. Uh, hires changed little at 6.1 million and the hires rate was unchanged at 4.2%. Hires were up 54.1% or when compared to the same time last year when they were at 3.9 million. So we're in a situation where we have all of these job openings and hiring is continuing to not move. And this is just, it's confusing to a lot of people. Why are they going back to work? It depends on who you talk to. It depends on what kind of economist you talk to or depends on what political party. A lot of Republicans will argue that it's because, well, we're, we're continuing to give unemployment. That's why people are not going back to work. They don't have to. Others, uh, I would say people on the left are arguing, well, people are still worried about COVID. And also the other component is that a lot of schools still aren't open. And this actually isn't really political because you're kind of seeing this on both sides. But you have one working parent who maybe is now staying home because schools haven't completely reopened or summer camps haven't completely reopened. And so you have to figure out what you're going to do with your children because they have nowhere to go. So one of the parents has to stay home. And we've seen that in a lot of the data where a lot more women have not come back to the workforce versus, say, men. And I know people are going to say, Tyler, that's sexist. But the reality is, is the data shows that when it comes to a two-parent household, the woman is more likely to stay at home if that situation arises, where someone has to stay home with the kids. It's more likely to be the mom. I'm just reporting the data. Do not shoot the messenger. Now, there was an interesting data point in this uh, BLS data. It was a level of quits in April. The quit level in rate increased to a series high as well of 4 million and 2.7% respectively. Now this backs up the argument that is being made by many out there, including economist Neil Irwin, who wrote over at the New York Times, quote, the relationship between American businesses and their employees is undergoing a profound shift. For the first time in a generation, workers are gaining the upper hand. And it's very interesting. 
because you've heard that from a lot of Democrats is that they say when people say, oh, well, the unemployment is keeping people at home. They say, I don't care what's keeping people at home, but if this is giving workers a negotiating leg up to make more money, to get more benefits, then we support it. And there is no doubt that that is what's happening right now. We are hearing stories about what businesses are trying to do to get people to come to work for them. And this is good for workers. Now, a lot of people wonder, can small businesses handle this? Just sort of major shift happening kind of overnight. And after the fact, they've dealt with the pandemic. And now all of a sudden, okay, things are ramping back up. We got to get more people to work. Can they afford these new labor costs? And this is the ongoing debate. But there is no doubt that we are seeing these level of quits and the fact that we have all these job openings, it is going to force employers to either pay more, offer more benefits. I mean, there was that one report that came out, what, a month or two ago that said that workers, a worker would rather continue the remote sort of hybrid work style where maybe you go to the work for two days and then work from home the other three. They would rather continue doing that then get, I think it was like a $50,000 raise. And so you are seeing the shift. There is no doubt it's happening. Once again, why is it happening? Will it continue? That's up for debate. But it is happening, and the data proves that in this BLS report this month. Record high job openings, record high quits. Neil Irwin's right. A profound shift is upon us. Now, before we wrap things up, Oh, I did want to mention this as well. Uh, Lumber industry veteran Kyle Little was on CNBC yesterday and was talking about lumber. If you haven't noticed, lumber future prices have dropped. I wouldn't say dramatically, or at least they haven't dropped as fast as they had risen. But lumber futures are down about 30% from their highs at the beginning of last month. So we are seeing some some movement there in lumber. Lumber has been one of the big commodities that people are watching to see if these inflationary pressures are transitory or are they permanent? And a lot of people who have been arguing, oh, it's temporary, it's temporary, it's not gonna last, are saying, see, look, lumber prices are falling. And Little did make the argument that those who are putting off building, it may be a smart idea, but he also warned people that do not expect prices to go back to where they were. Definitely not during the pandemic and even before the pandemic, that prices will remain elevated from what we were used to. But I did want to give you a little update because we do talk about home building a lot and we have seen some reports that builders are kind of putting things off, which is crazy, right? Because the inventory levels are at historic lows. You think this is the time they'd be building, but lumber prices have really change the calculation. But now we're hearing that, well, lumber prices are falling. And so we'll keep an eye on that, but just wanted to throw that out um, and let you know what's happening. Because we talked about lumber shooting up, and I don't want to be one of those people who only talks about like, oh no, lumber prices are, are skyrocketing. And then when they start falling, not mention it. Because, oh, that's not good. No, no fear mongering here on markets and mortgages. Uh, we did get some data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which I don't even know how much these numbers mean anymore. Be, it's the trade deficit. 
We got the trade deficit numbers. The trade deficit in April narrowed. April exports were $205 billion, which was an increase of $2.3 billion. And imports fell, or I should say they were $273 billion, a decrease of $3.8 billion. Uh, anyone that listens to my radio show or follows me on Twitter or Facebook knows that I think the trade deficit is somewhat of a meaningless statistic, at least with regards to the way that it used to be looked at and that it was a big indicator of a country's strength and that having a trade deficit was not good, but things have changed so dramatically that many look at the trade deficit as being somewhat antiquated. And that was a big fight that I had a lot of my fellow conservatives, Republicans, is that I just didn't agree that it was a big deal. But it is becoming a bigger and bigger issue, especially with China. Trump made it a bigger issue. And it's no doubt something that the Biden administration thinks about because he still kept tariffs on a lot of the Chinese products. And we've heard there could be more tariffs added. And we've seen very little, very little difference between what the Trump agenda was on trade and what the Biden agenda is on trade. It's funny that no one really talks about that. And I'm not sure if it's because he's worried about the trade deficit or what the issues are, but we have seen very little difference between Trump and Biden. And I maybe that's why the press doesn't want to talk about it because there is no difference and they like causing division and everything else. So maybe that's why they don't want to talk about it. Uh, but the, the, the trade deficit did narrow. So Trump somewhere out there is smiling and maybe Biden too. <laughs> maybe Biden as well. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back here Thursday morning. And remember, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.